Just be nice. Be friendly. How are you, Glenn? Good. How are you, Lorraine? Did a good job, Dave. Looks like you've done that before. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, Bernie, good to see you. Sean, how are you? Fantastic. Wonderful. <laughs> Very good. Well, fantastic. We have been doing this series on the great, some of the great songs, some of the great hymns, and uh, really have been enjoying them myself. And today we've looked at that great hymn, How Great Thou Art. Because if you're young people... You might be thinking, what does that actually mean? Because that's old English. Well, it means, this is the modern version. It means God really rocks. God rocks. <laughs> that's what it means. How great is our God? And uh, just some great ideas. It was originally crafted some years ago by a guy by the name of Carl Gustav Boberg. Boberg, my English. He was a Swedish pastor and editor, member of the Swedish parliament for 20 years. And one day, it was just a simple thing. He was going for a walk, and he was going through the hills where he was living in Sweden, you know, some of those big fjords and all those things. And an incredible thunderstorm came up very quickly upon him. And so, you know, the stars, you know, the earth went black. Clouds were there, the lightning bolts, thunder. And then all of a sudden, it lifted. And he had these words, you know, when I survey... When I walk through the storm, see the thunder. You had that sense of the awe of God. I actually don't like what we've done to the word awesome. I think we've raped awesome of its meaning. Because it used to be that awesome was, oh, awesome. You know, it was something that it actually was awesome. Now you've got awesome socks and awesome coffee. And awesome means just awful now. It means, you know, it has real no meaning. We've raped it. But there is this experience that human beings, because we're fashioned in the image of God, every once in a while you should taste awe. There should be something in life that takes your breath away. There should be something in life that pokes your eyes out. There should be something in life that just says, this is a sacred space. This is a special moment. This is a slice of infinity. This is just a little taste of eternity. There should be something in our lives that speaks of awe. And for many of us, that will still be when we look at creation, when we just see that incredible sunset, when we see that incredible rainbow. That's what should take place. In Exodus chapter 15, we have the very first mention of singing and songs in the Bible. It's quite, you know, when you consider how long the Bible is, it's quite a long way in. 
And so one of the laws of hermeneutics or understanding the Bible is what they call the law of first mention. And so this is the very first time, and it's just after a great victory. The children of Israel have been on run from the Egyptians. The Egyptians have been out to kill them. Killing's not good. They're caught behind the, in front of the Red Sea. The Red Sea looks like it's impassable. And all of a sudden, uh, Moses splits open the Red Sea, and they all go through. Cecil B. DeMille was there. They actually film it. It was amazing. They get to the other side of the Red Sea, and then the sea closes, and all the Egyptians drown. And all Miriam can do is grab a tambourine and says, We are going to sing to the Lord. And here's this song. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord. You know, it's a good thing to sing. It's another thing to sing to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has strengthened, he has triumphed gloriously. He has buried both the horse and the rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. And he has given me the victory. This is a great song. This is the first song in the Bible. The Lord is my song. And he's given me strength and victory. This is my God and I will praise him, my Father's God. And I will exalt him. That's a great song. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. The Lord is my strength and song. It used to be an oldie. Uh, you know, if you've been saved for about 300 years, you probably had this little worm tune going through your head now, you know. Lord, my strength, my strength, my song. Give my father victory. Something like that. Anyway, the, the hymn says, Then sings my soul. Then sings my soul. What is the trigger in your life to singing? When do you sing? When does your soul sing? As human beings, we are primarily made up of three different constituent parts. We have a spirit, we have soul, and we have body. And the soul is sort of like the emotional decision realm. It's where our personality sits. And most of life is about getting it right. Will our soul respond to our body or will our soul respond to our spirit? And there's a tug of war over that. There's a tug of war over it. They haven't figured it out yet. There is a tug of war over what will you give your inner realm to, your personality, your energy, your time, your treasure, your awe, your fantasy, your imagination, the things that are very much you, are you going to bring them into alignment with the spiritual part of you, that part which is the creative part, the higher part, the part that's tuned towards the spiritual realm, tuned towards God? Will you align with what could be and should be? Yeah? Or will you listen to the other part, your body? Now, my body has appetites. My body wants status. Did someone say coffee? Yeah, look, no one will die if I get coffee. It's fine. It's good. It's coffee's a coffee's a good thing. <laughs> my my body has appetites. It, it desires intimacy. It desires status. It desires security. It desires food. I'm sorry to mention a four-letter F word while we're all sitting together. It mentions food. It has all these appetites. 
And I have this other part of me known as the soul that has to determine which one am I going to listen to? Which one is ultimately going to dominate my life? And here's the scary thing. Eventually one day I'll breathe my last breath. And whoever I've aligned my soul to will determine my eternity. If I've never ever finally switched allegiance of my soul from the body to the spirit when I die, God says, Mike, it's your choice. It breaks my heart. But you've wanted to serve your appetites, not serve me. And I finally go to a lost eternity away from the love of God, the peace of God, all those things. But if over the years I have fought the good fight of faith and have aligned my soul realm to my spirit realm, then when I die, I go into heaven. So it works. So then sings my soul. This is the English way of saying God really rocks if you're a young person. Okay. So we all have a song. We have a happy song. Does anybody know what my happy song is? <laughs> oh, happy days. In fact, at my funeral, I've, already got, I've actually got a very old song called uh, by an old man, by, uh, by a singer. His name's Meryl Womack. He's a guy that many years ago was burned terribly, third-degree burns to his face. He was an opera singer. And he had this amazing deliverance, but he suffered with burns. And then he got addicted to painkillers while coming through the journey of healing and stuff. So great testimony. And he was a very famous opera singer. And as he came out, somehow his voice surprised, survived the whole journey. So he sings these great songs, great tenor. And he would say, I've been happy before. I'll be happy again. Even death does not conquer now. The grave is empty, my friend. Though the dark billows roll, he restoreth my soul. Though the skies be gray, I'm happy to say, I'll be happy again. That is so bad. That is so bad. But you are just saying he took guts to do that. <laughs> he took so much guts to do that. But I've got a happy song. I do have a happy song. I wonder what your happy song is. But we've all got a song, haven't we? We've got our happy songs and we have our sad songs. <laughs> he was crying in his beer with his pretzels, you know. Song, song, blue, everybody knows one. Song, blue, everybody knows. We have our sad songs. We have our romantic songs. I think Joe Cocker can't sing, which lets me in. I'm in with a chance with this one. So, honey, you are so beautiful to me. <laughs> she blushing? I can't see from here. I am in trouble. It's a romantic song. She always just puts her head down and shakes it, though, when I sing it to her. I don't understand. I'm making an effort here. We have our romantic song, don't we? 
We have our, uh, our national song for Australians. That's interesting, isn't it? You know, advance Australia fair. Skippy, skippy, the bush kangaroo. Up there, gazelle in their rung fire. Like an old rocking chair. And I was only 19. <laughs> I'll sing Matilda. In there and fight. Something like that, isn't it? Advance Australia Fair, you know. Miles and miles of fencing wire. Advance Australia Fair. Ah, so we've got our national song. <laughs> we've got our team song. Oh, all the Dockers fans would be singing today, wouldn't they? <laughs> Well, we won't do the free... Well, <laughs> and we might have... Then sings my song. Birds sing to define their territory, to find a mate and to warn of dangers. But humans sing to create and change their world. The African slaves picking cotton, singing sweet low, sweet charity, uh, sweet chariot. The spontaneous armistice in World War II where Allied and German soldiers actually got out of the trenches and started to sing Christmas carols together. To the orchestra playing on the Titanic, nearer to God, to thee. Songs define who we are. Then sings my soul. As a nation, we are now sadly guided much more by feelings and by appetites, than by the word of God. Sadly, the song has changed in our nation. I think the song's even changed somewhat in the church because some of our songs now are very much based on I'm feeling good and God, you're my friend, instead of how great thou art. We've become a little bit more introspective, a little bit more selfish, about it. And sadly, Christians seem to be spending most of their time looking at the pennies instead of looking at the real gold of our God in heaven. Sad indeed, the stories of describing where scriptures have changed history are abundant in the jails, in the camps, when Christians are persecuted. It was an amazing thing back in uh, a number of years ago when there was a breakout of persecution against the uh, Christians in Orissa. And it was quite a severe persecution, broke out on Christmas Day. Uh, we've had visit our church, Jossie Choco. And if you remember Jossie from Empire, he brought with him a Bible and he presented the Bible and he shows how it's burnt and he, and he actually tells you the story how a pastor ran back to get this Bible and lost his life for it. But as these Christians, they estimate about 20,000 untouchable Christians were literally thrown out of their homes on the threat of death and they went up into the forests. And they're living basically hand to mouth in the forest. And you would think there would be crying and mourning and pain and devastation and that was that there as well because people had died. But as uh, Chossie and some of his workers went up there, what they found was glory and song and worship. And despite the challenge of what was, what was in their life, what was coming out of the heart was 
You are my strength, Lord. You are my song. You are my victory, dear God. You are a warrior. You are Yahweh. You are my strength and my song. Then sings my soul. Some of us can sing our ways to victory. We can sing our way to deliverance. We can sing our way. What is your song? What comes out of your soul when you get into that time of challenge, into the battle? A number of years ago, I uh, pastored another church and uh, there was a man in the church who was about, I think, 150 years old. He was getting close. And uh, he was quite blind. And uh, so he was legally blind. He would come to church. And when you would sit and listen to the smith, Pastor Ron's a little bit like this. If you sit and listen to him long enough, out of his mouth will come scripture. Out of his mouth will come songs. Out of his mouth will come promises of God. When you squeeze him, the bellows, out comes song, scripture, hymns. I wonder if it makes a difference. Because I squeeze some people today, particularly younger people, and what comes out is sadness and selfishness and life stinks and it's horrible and I don't know where God is. But we used to have this older man, and as you'd squeeze him in a similar way, out would come some of these great songs. You know, great is thy faithfulness, uh, you know, uh, how great they are. And on one occasion, I remember being in a service where we were going through something similar to this, but because he was legally blind, he couldn't read the screen. And, uh, well, we didn't have a screen then. We actually, I know this is scary, we actually had a little piece of plastic used to write on it and go up on a big torch thing used to throw it up. So we're back in those days. Because he couldn't see it, he didn't realize that there was only three verses. So when we finished our stuff, he was still there. And his chest was up and out come this song. And you know what? As he sang, you know, that final tune, you know, Lord, you know, when I see you come, shouts of acclamation. It had such power to it. There was not a dry eye in the house. Because it's song that comes deep from within and it touches truth. And I think that our song will define our future. So when Christ shall come with shouts of application, take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and then proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Then sings my soul. Today I have an agenda. I want to hopefully by the power of God change your song. Change the sound of your soul. Change that song that's in there to something that lifts God up, that speaks of future, of victory, of what God wants to do in your life. So this man's life, along with countless others, is a testimony to God's word. When we allow it to seep deeply into our soul, when it's deep, it has effect. So then sings my soul. It's one truth secret of this uh, of the old said. The nature of water is that it's soft. And the nature of stone is that it's hard. But if the bottle is hung over the water, sooner or later, the water will make 
the stone soft. And so is it with the word of God. The word of God's not hard. It's a soft thing. But sometimes my heart can be very hard. It can be cold towards God. But if I'll let that water, the water of the word, just wash over my heart, wash over my soul, eventually this hard heart becomes soft again. Then sings my soul. Singing is vertical breathing. It's spiritual air conditioning. It changes the atmosphere. Who likes air conditioning? Yeah, we all love it. I've become soft in my old age. We used to just wind down the window in the old days. Now I want the air conditioner on. But as you sing, you will find that you change the atmosphere around you, around your home. What you put on the CD can affect what's happening in your life. It's vertical breathing. It's a column of worship. It's vocal incense to a holy God that braids itself together in a powerful column that can lift us out of earth earth into the very throne room of heaven. That's what song can do. It's my voice combined with your voices and our voices together, joining with angels and all of creation to worship our great God. Then sings my soul. So I'd like to invite the uh, team up again this moment. We're going to sing that great song again. And then we're going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray that God will help me and help you to change your song. I have a few songs I can give you, but you probably have to find your own songs. The songs of victory. You know... Whilst it was a great song, what Miriam and uh, the, the ladies of uh, the people of Israel sang in, Acts, in Exodus 15, whilst that was a great thing to do, it was actually a bit easy to do because it was on the other side of victory. You know, after you've had the victory and all the horses have drowned and all the Egyptians are gone, it's actually a bit easy to party in God, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we won. That's, that's easy. But you know what faith is? Faith is singing that song before the Egyptians drown. That's faith. Singing your song about healing. Sing, O barren, a new song. Singing before you see the miracle. Living and rejoicing and letting that flow before it happens attracts the heart of God and things happen. So uh, thanks, guys. And as they sing through this song, if you would like to come forward for prayer this morning, I would be my joy, my privilege, my honor to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God will change your internal dialogue. What's happening in here? When you're sad, there's a better song to sing. Let's stand, shall we? Thank you, Lord.